G'day folks and welcome to the Club Rugby Collective. My name is Brendan Sauce Hotel from Queensland Rugby Union and joining me this afternoon I've got our commentary regulars Jay Borstorn and Dallin Murphy. How are we gents? Good as gold, saucy boy, all things considered, mate. Yeah, mate, very good. Just sticking along, you know, in quarantine currently and enjoying life as much as I possibly can. Fair enough, boys. Well, you know, as you mentioned, in quarantine, obviously we're in uh, unprecedented times at the moment. We were meant to be getting together to talk about the first round of Queensland Premier Rugby, which was meant to kick off last weekend. Um, but as it currently stands, we're not quite sure when we'll get to get our club rugby fix. Yeah, it's a bit of a stinger, eh, Sauce? I mean, we were meant to kick off last weekend, but we did the old, uh, what was it, Hospital Challenge Cup V, which was a good initiative un, uh, by itself. But, I mean, it's it's not ideal, but, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a stinger not really knowing how things are going to continue to go from here on out. So we're just going to take it day by day. But I was really fizzing for this season, if I'm being honest. And for you, Dal, mate, um, you know, you obviously keep a keen eye on this sort of stuff, mate, from a business point of view as well, mate. Um, a lot of guys that you would have been keen on seeing take to the field this year as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot of blokes who kind of obviously put their hand up last year, as we saw a lot of them promoted to the Super Rugby squad. And there's a few blokes who I think would have done the same thing this year. And I think it's just a shame that a lot of these young guys aren't going to get the opportunity to come out and play some footy, or not, not at this point anyway. Yeah, well, I mean, it's definitely a completely, um, you know, new and, and, and unfounded situation we're in. And um, we've seen sort of guys have to revert to, to training at home and, and finding new ways to try to keep fit. Um, the UQ guys in particular have been in isolation now for 12 or so days since they got back from the Australian Club Championship matches in Sydney. And, um, Jay, you've seen a couple of, uh, of interesting things there on, on social from the Red Heavies boys. Yeah, mate. I mean, what is it? What did you say it was? What twelve days in? They clearly already lost their minds. They, uh, the Oates brothers went real big time with their uh, production of uh, that old bog roll, bog roll challenge sort of thing. We saw Elton Berenger getting into the mixer as well. So, uh, not an ideal situation to be in. Obviously, having to go into quarantine because one of the Sydney Uni blokes uh, was confirmed positive for COVID nineteen, but. Oh, mate, uh, it's not a good sign when that's the sort of content they're rolling out 12 days into quarantine. It's only downhill from here if that's the case. Jesus. Well, I think uh, Elton, director of rugby, Elton, he's still uh, hanging on to the, the South African World Rugby win. He was donning his jersey last night and had his head taped up. Um, and from my memory serves me right. The last time we tried to play rugby in a sixth-grade game, he uh, ended up in a moon boot afterwards. So, um yeah, he's uh, he's definitely missing his uh, his usual rugby fix down at uh, UQ each week. Um, Dallin, mate, obviously you've got a lot of mates, mate, throughout the competition at various clubs, mate. What have you seen across the socials, mate, with guys trying to stay entertained at home or find uh, different ways to train? I think what you're seeing now is a, a lot of blokes taking gyms home, you know what I mean? They're taking stuff from the gym, they're taking watt bikes, they're taking dumbbell plates, they're taking barbells, they're setting up home gyms. And then from, I think, from a, from a cardio perspective, you're seeing a lot of boys go out and do some running and all that kind of stuff, but it's obviously at that, at that safe distance. It's interesting and it's still obviously a, a, a positive thing to see, but I, I think at the moment they're a bit, of, a bit all over the place with you know not a precise amount of time before they're back in training, uh, back in training properly and, and playing. Well, I suppose that's a hard thing at the moment. We don't necessarily know when this thing's going to come to a close, when it's going to culminate. So it's very hard for guys who are at home trying to train to actually sort of come up with some sort of program that's going to allow them to reach some goals when they return to play. 
Yeah, I think from from two perspectives, obviously from a professional perspective and a club perspective, you've got your program there and, and you're doing the, the, the means the best you possibly can. But without being in that environment where you're being pushed by your teammates or, or you're being pushed by the strength and conditioner or the coach or whoever it is, it makes the whole process a little bit more difficult. You know what I mean? And so when you're training, but you don't really know what you're training for, there's often a little bit of a lack of discipline and often a lack of motivation at times. You know, it's difficult for everyone. And But I guess the main thing is we're all in the same boat. And I suppose people are in different scenarios as well. You know, for for some guys, they might have a backyard where they can actually sort of get out and do some sort of circuit work, whereas, um, you know, other blokes might live in a in a single-bedroom apartment where they don't necessarily have access to that sort of stuff. So, you know, they've got to really get creative. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, across the board, I, I, mean, I know, know Jay Ball, he's got his own little setup in his one-bedroom apartment or two-bedroom apartment he has. <laughs> I do, but I'm using it as an excuse not to actually do anything. So, yeah, it's just gathering um, dust in the corner. <laughs> but I think what it is showing that people are, uh, you know, trying their best to get out there and get and get motivated and stay active, even though we do not have a, you know, a precise time on when any of this is kind of coming back together. No, that's definitely correct. Um, and Dal, mate, you're obviously, you know, you've worked in the in in the fitness industry, mate, um, with your F45 gyms, and I know that's definitely going to be be hard for you to manage over the next couple of weeks, mate. But in terms of um, some some hints or tips that you could provide to guys for what they could be getting done at home at the moment, mate, um, what do you reckon sort of some key exercises are or some key things to focus on for for our club rugby blokes? Man, I'm no expert, but, but I think what they've got to continue to do is, is, is just try and keep that cardio up. That's the biggest thing is, is keeping your lung capacity moving, especially the environment that we're currently in. It's that fitness um, that, that's the big thing. And then you've got the forwards or the, the big boys up front trying to get as, as, as much lifting as possible as, as you possibly can, but it's such a hard environment for that to happen. So I think the big thing for all of them is, is just keeping that base fitness. I mean, you know, 20, 30 years ago, a lot of the, the strength and conditioning wasn't there. And what they used to do was go for long, you know, long distance runs and, and do a few push-ups, a few bodyweight squats here and there. But we kind of, you know, come full circle. And in this environment we're currently in, it's really tough to do anything else rather than that. Yeah, well, I mean, if you have a look at athletes sort of now compared back to when, you know, Tony Shaw and things like that played um, completely different sort of physique, you know, you can compare to sort of the, the frame of a Tony Shaw to – you know, um, a Scott Higginbotham or something like that, um, sort of completely different body composition. But um, I know some of the Reds boys this week, they've been, been sent home to train as well. And, um, you know, in sort of small groups, just a couple of them have uh, invested in some some home gym setups. So I know uh, James O'Connor, Bryce Haggerty and Isaac Rodder looked like they sort of went to a, um, you know, a Rebel Sport or something like that afterwards and bought some equipment and they've got a a bit of a squat rack and a bench press going on in, uh, I think it's Rodder's Garage. Yeah, they're obviously doing their best to, to stay fit. And I think a lot of the boys took some took some equipment home from, from the Reds gym. So you can see what bikes at homes now and, and all that kind of stuff. So they're doing their best to, to try and stay active and, and get that lifting in. No, it's definitely going to be interesting to see sort of um, how guys get creative in terms of managing this over, over the time. But I suppose... Um, you know, it's not only the physical aspect that uh, people have got to manage at the moment um, with all the additional pressures that are coming from this uh, this COVID-19 scenario in terms of, you know, finances and other pressures with being away from your mates in terms of um, being able to actually socially uh, engage with them. Um, 
Jay, I suppose how important is it, mate, for the rugby community to sort of keep the spirit alive, mate, keep in contact with each other and just, um, you know, look out for our mates at this point in time? Oh, mate, it is dreadfully important. I mean, it's it's tough. Uh, you hit the nail on the head there at the end there, Saucy, when you said looking out for your mates at this time. It, it's it's important to do that at the best of times, you know, but we're in the midst of a global pandemic. We're at the doorstep of something completely unfounded that is going to take more lives. Just, you know, people are going to lose their jobs, their homes. It, it's just it's just part of the course. It's going to happen and it's going to be a, a pretty bloody tough um, period in... Um, in Aussie history. So I think um, the more that we can try to shine, uh, you know, a a little bit of light in such dark times, the best we can do that is is just try to keep people engaged. We know that there are people out there that are just absolute diehard tragics for rugby, be it Premier Rugby, the Reds, Wallabies, whatever it may be. So if you can do something to lift people's spirits, then, uh, mate, it is absolutely imperative that we do so as best as humanly possible. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, what we managed to get up last weekend with Hospital Challenge Cup V with with Double Take, the guys there did a great job to sort of get that up off the ground. You know, the guys who came in and, and took part in that from the various clubs, you know, just said that it was so good to be able to get out of the house, engage with some other sort of like-minded guys and, um, you know, have a bit of fun on PlayStation. Um, you know, whether or not we can get a group of blokes together like that again moving forward is going to be hard but you know we're looking at ways where we could potentially go remote with that competition now and and keep guys engaged um but you know that's just sort of an example of um you know one way to hopefully keep people um you know looped in with each other but it's just a key thing and sort of trying to at the moment i think you know you can get sort of tied up with how the scenario is impacting you know on our, you know, in our own lives, on ourselves. But, you know, as you've mentioned, mate, this is something that's going to affect people worldwide and sort of everyone in the community. Everyone's going to feel it. So it's a case of, you know, coming together collectively, looking out for each other and just trying to figure out, you know, where we can pitch in for for others and where hopefully other people can potentially provide us some support to, to get through this time. Exactly, mate. That's the hardest thing in the world, man, is it's... We're all in this together. That's that's what makes this so bloody difficult. But it also makes it that much easier that you know we're all we're all struggling at the moment. There's no two ways about it, and um, you know it goes both ways. If if we can help someone, if they can help us, no matter what it is, big or small, we may as well do what we can. So if we can, yeah, continue to crank out a bit of content. If we could do the hospital challenge cup V again, that'd be awesome. But I don't. Not too sure um, the logistics of that. So I mean, it's 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 going to be tougher and tougher to do so. But as long as we all sort of stick together, it should be good as gold, brother. Yeah, mate, that's key. And I suppose the other key thing as well is like we need to stress, um, you know, how important it is to follow, you know, what the government's lying out in terms of you know staying at home, um, you know, your sanitization in terms of washing hands, hand sanitizer. Um, and, you know, trying to avoid doing things that are non-essential that involve sort of community interaction. You know, the quicker that we can, um, you know, implement all this sort of stuff, adhere to to what's being said, hopefully, the quicker then we can actually get back to, to playing some rugby at some point this year. Oh, 100%. I mean, that's the hardest thing in the world is 
is having to adhere to those guidelines. I mean, it's better to be safe than sorry, right? So, you know, if you don't have to do something, don't do it. It's pretty simple. Take a leaf out of Jabor's day-to-day book. You, you know, actively try to avoid as much human interaction and um, expenditure of energy as possible. Lay on the couch, watch Netflix, <laughs> just binge, <laughs> binge stand or something. I don't know, man, but, uh, like... I'm um if anybody wants some pointers I can always help out because I've uh, I've got a good 31 odd years of uh, practice in it so I can definitely hook the boys up. All right so Jay you mentioned uh Netflix and and Stan there mate um have you got any particular tips for for shows movies mate that the guys can get stuck into over the next few weeks months however long it might be? <clears throat> You bet your sweet bippy, I've got some tips here, Sauce. So Netflix is essentially really good for original content. They also reboot TV shows. I'd get around Top Boy, the originals from 2011, but now they've rebooted it for uh, 2020, which is sick. Um, and there's so many dope documentaries on there as well. Uh, if not, Disney Plus has got The Mandalorian. Get around that. You could probably get a 30-day free trial. Um, if not, Stan. So Stan is highly underrated, eh? Stands like the Channel 9 thing, and it's got all the um, sick-ass TV shows. So it's got Seinfeld, Breaking Bad, The Office, Frasier, all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, spread yourself thin across those three, and I'm sure you'll have plenty of content. If not, you can just get some games off Steam or something on your computer and turn into a big old Gaben. So, uh, Jay, you've uh, clearly spent um, a fair bit of time alone in the apartment already then, mate. Yeah, could you tell, Sauce? I've got 31 years' worth of experience in uh, doing this stuff, mate, so I've uh, I've been thinking about it. I've actually sort of been looking forward to quarantine because now I've got a reason to be a big, fat, bed-ridden, bed-sore-ridden slob, so it's fantastic. You're the hero we call for, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how about you, Dale, mate? Anything in particular that you've been getting stuck into, mate? Mate, whilst I'm in isolation, just been getting into the Formula One documentary. Follows the 2018-2019 season, and it's good quality watching, and it's quite in depth, which I'm enjoying at the moment. And then uh, the second one is Peanut Butter Falcon, which is a, a movie I've, I've most recently watched. is obviously just fantastic and quite emotional, but it's a, it's a good one if you can get your hands around it. Peanut Butter Falcon. What's the storyline of that one, mate? Mate, it's about a uh, Down syndrome kid who who escapes from uh, his, I guess his house where where he kind of sits. He's, he's in an old people home, okay. uh, and he escapes from that, and, and he becomes mates with a bit of a runaway, and they kind of go on a bit of an adventure together. Interesting. We have to check that one out. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Uh, well, uh, over the last couple of days, I've uh, watched the English Game on Netflix, which is uh, a little TV series that goes over the uh, the origins of professionalism in soccer in the UK, sort of in the late eighteen hundreds. So I can highly recommend that. That was interesting. Um, and then the yeah. other one that I've watched recently. Now this is on um, on Foxtel Go. So anyone that's got Foxtel that can't watch rugby at the moment, if you go on the app. Or, you know, on on the TV, there's, you know, some stuff that's on demand. So that's where I found this. It's a show called Washington Spies. There's four seasons of it. The episodes are an hour long, so there's heaps there. And it's all about um, General Washington Spies during the, uh, the the Revolutionary War in America. So uh, there's a theme running here for me, as so I'm a bit of a history nerd. Absolutely. The other one is... Hell also, yeah. Is, is The Test on Amazon Prime. Which okay. follows the 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 um, Australian Test team from Justin Langer's inception. Oh, I did see that. Yeah, no, I want to check that one. Ah, out. Ah, looks real good. It's real good to watch. Okay, well, Sick. 
All right. Well, there's heaps of uh, content there for folks to get their teeth stuck into over the next few weeks, months, however long it might be. And uh, if anyone runs out of ideas, they can always message Jay. I'm sure he's got heaps heaps more to uh, to pull out of the bag. <laughs> um, but, you know, we mentioned to- just before about sort of uh, trying to, you know, brighten up people's days and, and provide them with a bit of rugby content. And one thing we thought we might do is try to uh, – to come up with a Queensland Premier Rugby Team of the Decade. Obviously, there was lots of Team of the Decade stuff that happened sort of at the back end of 2019, into 2020. Um, you know, we've got a bit of a period now where we can take some time to look back on the decade that was and um, potentially have a look at, uh, you know, who's deserving of selection in this team. Um, Jay and, and Dal, I believe that you guys both had a bit of a look at what your, your first 15s might be. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's still up in the air for mine. I don't know about you, Dow. Have you got a fifteen picked yet? I'm kind of gone through and and made a fifteen. It, it's always tough. Like you always feel like you're leaving someone out, or you might name someone and then you kind of go through and someone else might put in your head. But I have gone through and named a fifteen, and I've kind of gone off the back of blokes who've played a real influence um, at club level, so who might not have kind of progressed through that next level but have played a lot of, of, of Premier Rugby and might have been or might have played a really big hand in, in, in teams winning, you know, premierships and all that kind of stuff. And then thrown in a few guys who've played a lot of club rugby but then gone on to kind of play Super Rugby or all for the Wallabies, you know what I mean, after kind of doing their due diligence as, as, as a young fella coming through. Yeah, that's fair. So I've gone through for me to name it. Yeah, mate, go through it. So I think at, at, at loose head, I've gone with Andrew Cody. Um, obviously a brother's boy. He's played over 230 games for the club. Um, played over kind of two decades, the 2000s and then into the 2010s. Nice. Um, I was just instrumental, I think, in, in, in that first premiership they won in 2009. Um, number two, Andrew Reddy. I think his influence when he played for East, obviously he's played a lot of professional footy these days, but when he played for East was always kind of, you know, through the roof. He went back and played and it looked like he'd been playing there all year and always really wanted to play for his club. Yeah, nice. And also um, when he came back, as you said, you touched on it there, Dallin, he played, he was a part of that premiership team at the um, start of the decade and then obviously played a lot of pro footy, but then he obviously came back a couple of years ago and was close to the best player in the competition. Exactly, and so I think he's he, he, he's the big one. Um, at tight head, it's 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 I kind of it was tough to split, but I've gone with Taniella Tupo, just because I think the influence he's had um, coming back at the back end of the year, especially in 2016, when he was still very much young and hadn't played a lot of Super Rugby, but he kind the way he kind of came through and uh, and kind of was a big instigator in them winning that grand final. He was just instrumental. You know, he kind of played like a second back rower. But obviously he's progressed through now and he's a wallaby. He's going to be a wallaby for a long time. But every time he goes back and plays club footy, you know, no, he really, really wants to be there. Yeah, nice. Um, at number four, I've got uh, Timmy Buchanan, obviously the talisman for, you know, the UQ club and has now been down playing a lot of Sheet Shield, most recently retired. But he's another leader who kind of, you know, he played one Super Rugby game but kind of didn't quite get to that next level but was instrumental in, in, in every time kind of UQ either made the final or, or won the competition. I think he might have won two or three himself um, and then went down and, and played a lot of club footy down in the Sheet Shield. Um, at five... 
Dan Gorman, it's hard to kind of go past him. You know what I mean? He's been instrumental in, in Jeeps over the last couple of years. But even before that, he was a big part of them winning the competition. Um, and just he was always ferocious in the way he went kind of, the way he went about things. You know what I mean? His physicality and just always stood up to whoever it was that was kind of in front of him. Very true. Very true. Uh, six was a difficult one. Um, there's so many kind of good players out there but again it was someone who's played a lot of club footy and was instrumental in Jeep's kind of winning the competition over the last couple of years was Pencil you know Pencil Richards Um, he's just been fantastic like I think he tops the tackle count most games he plays he's he's very like nonchalant in the way he goes about it just kind of gets in gets stuck in and, and plays footy and you know what I mean? There's, there's, there's no, nothing he kind of can't do, but he's just un- unheralded, I think. And quite often, you know, might have been a little bit unlucky not to kind of go through that next level. Um, at seven, the great man, Charlie Freeney. I think, you Good know, selection. he's pint-sized. I think these days he, he's still only, you know, 75 kilos, but he just did things on a rugby field that, that, that he should never have done. Um, came back after two knee reconstructions. Um, you know, was part of that 2016 uh, grand final win. Uh, retired after that, after he played 100 games and has never really looked back. But just the way he kind of played footy was just so above his weight, much like his father was, Mick. But he just played above his weight and was, you know, instrumental in those games. At eight, um, it's another tough one, but I think uh, Chris Tupo. The uh, the way he kind of played the game uh, for brothers, especially when um, him and Taniella were on the field at the same time. There's a period there, 2016, 2017, where they were just kind of indestructible in, in a lot of ways. And even last year when he came back from his time overseas in Italy, I think without him kind of coming to those last couple of games, four brothers are back into the season. I think he made a really, really big difference for them. He brings physicality and again, like he's in the face of danger most times. He's standing up to a lot of people. I'm sure there's a lot more eights, in, eights out there like Mitch King and even Jimmy Turner and those guys who we could kind of put in there. But Chris for me was someone who's been really instrumental for that brothers club. Yeah, good call. Um, at nine, it's a tough one because um, you look at Tatey and those boys kind of coming through over the last couple of years. They've been instrumental for the club at UQ, et cetera. But for me, Nick Frisbee, um, you know, he, he's one who's played since the early 2010s um, and obviously won a premiership with them as well and played a lot of club footy. You know what I mean? Like he started out as a 19-year-old in the academy at the Reds but kind of progressed his way through and, and played a lot of club, a lot of club footy but always enjoyed going back down there and I think at one stage you know he was playing 10 and Bobby Tuttle was at 9 so quite often played out of position um, at 10 it's a tough one you know we've got plenty of good players kind of coming through over the last couple of years in that 10 role but for me uh, Jimmy Dalgleish and it kind of goes hand in hand with, with UQ being so successful over the last couple of years, but it's pivotal that role in the fly half role and he's kind of directed them around the park. And I think himself, he's won three or four um, premierships. And obviously, you know what I mean? He's just been instrumental in them kind of being so successful. His goal kicking, his just kind of calm nature um, has been really, really good for them. On the wings, it's always tough. There's been plenty of guys. One guy who always stood out for me, who I genuinely thought could have gone on but didn't, uh, I think he went and studied medicine and became a, became a doctor potentially, was Harry Parker. Um, he was just phenomenal. Like the way he kind of burst onto the scene with his kind of scraggy hair and, you know, scored tries for fun. Um, he was just one I always thought was exceptional. 
He's still um, running around at the top- moment, mate. Is he? Yeah, he's up at uh, Cloundra Lighthouses, mate. So he's won a won a oh, top two titles up there in the last two years. Good while get. Well, he's working up at good uh, get Sunny by Coast the lighthouses. Bloody hell! Yeah, mate. Very yeah, good. Yeah, that's a- massive. <laughs> he was a great player. Um, Tom Banks on the other wing. Again, he's progressed through, become a Wallaby, but. You know, when he was playing club footy, there was much like he is now at the moment. He's almost untouchable. You know what I mean? He had a couple of really, really good years for UQ and played a lot of football for them, uh, which is what you want to see. In the centres, um, just two blokes here. Uh, I've got Nathaniel Gendel at 12, just because obviously, much much like Andrew Cody, he's played over two decades. Um, but he was instrumental in the 2009 grand final. And then again, as a you know, as a bit of a talisman in the in the 2016 grand final, four brothers, um, you know, means played over 212 games and and just been absolutely sensational for them over a couple of years. And then the other guy is playing out of position here at, at 13, but Matt Gordon, um, obviously now over playing for London Scottish in the championship, but you know, at times he he, he could barely be tackled. And I think. Um, we saw last year when he didn't play for them uh, as much. No, no, they kind of missed him a fair bit. He's physical. He's strong. He's he's a good leader for them. Oh, mate, Tigers had finally, to completely change the game plan last year, mate. Yeah, exactly, and, and we saw that. And mm-hmm. so he, he's the big one for me. And I think he's probably someone who's got to be a little bit disappointed he didn't kind of progress through here. And no yeah. fault of his own. I think he kind of always put his hand up, even at NRC level, but never really got those opportunities. And then at um at fifteen we got we got Chuck Campbell. Again, he's progressed through to play super rugby, but I just think he's was exceptional when he played club footy. He's done his time there, spent four seasons playing, you know, for the heavies and, and won a few competitions with them, but He's another one who's just kind of created that pathway and done exceptionally well to get to that next level. Yeah, no, mate, that's a, it's definitely a good group. Um, Jay, mate, who have you managed to put together, mate, for a list? So mine, um, I, I think it's going to be pretty obvious. Dal and I tend to sing from the same song sheet on a lot of things. So there are a few similarities because, in my opinion, there's there's several players that you literally just you can't walk past, like... You literally can't. There's just players there that, no, like hands down, have been the best player in their position. Um, and off the top of my head, you know, Gormo's got to be one of them. So, I mean, it goes without saying how much I respect Gormo and absolutely think he's just an absolute gun. So, lock in Gormo in the second row just straight off the bat. Um, I agree with um, with Dal as well. Cody. I had Edge Cody at uh, loose head as well just because... He, you can't go past what? What, what did you say, Dale? Was it two hundred and thirty games? Yeah, two hundred and thirty for, for the brethren. Yeah, yeah, you know you can't Premier, go past Premier that rugby and... games though. You know what I mean? Like, no, it's not yeah, just club games. It's like at that top level. Absolutely massive, mate. Like you, you, you literally can't go past that. So for mine at hooker, look, it may not sort of register with most people. Um, like Andrew Reddy's obviously an absolute gun, but I actually went. And I think uh, Tuba Hansen would be hard to go past. Um, yeah, that's a good just one. because that's he's really so sick. Yeah, that's fair. And obviously was a part of those premiership sides in the early uh, 2010s. But I actually went with, just because he did play so much super rugby and then went overseas, for mine, it's actually Bing Lee. So a good mate of mine, Binger, former 100 games 
um, in Premier Grade 4, the Doggies, was a mainstay in a side that, for lack of a better term, sucked for a very long time, but was regularly, uh, you know, selected as one of the best players out on the pitch and is an absolute leader and an absolute top bloke as well. So just there's the um, the old uh, doggy coming out there. But um, just for what he meant to that club, he's absolutely massive. And then the other one at Tighthead is Pat Fapulia, just because, you know, he's been there for so bloody long out there at um, St. Lucia. And he may not start a lot of games, but he's still there. He's still an absolutely massive unit when he comes onto the pitch. And you saw it last year. What he came on like fifteen odd minutes into the grand final and ended up um, doing your boys in Dallas. So just for that longevity, um, yeah. Pat Fapuli is massive. In the second row, same as you, Dow Bucky. So the second rows picked themselves. Tim Buchanan yeah. and Dan Gorman. Like what they've done for their respective clubs are literally one and the same. So they're absolutely huge in their own right. In the back row, um, again, my doggy's heart coming out just because I've seen it from the ground floor is Jerry Lynch, um, a guy who you talk to anyone and they are like, he is probably the one of the most unlucky players to have ever played Premier Rugby in the last decade just by way of, you know, performance after performance, but in a losing side, but always trying and regularly the best player on the field, at least for the doggies and unable to go further, but has Lester Kennel this year to go down to New Zealand, unfortunately. But to be able to see him come through as an 18-year-old making his Premier Grade debut and getting smashed, but still sticking around and then becoming one of the best players in the competition, absolutely massive. At seven, um, Freeney was hard to go past, obviously. Guys like Tom Milosevic, he was absolutely huge, but I went with and or Michael Gunn was absolutely huge. George Blomfield was right up there for Sunnybank for mine. Um yeah. but I went with Jack DeGangan, mate. He's just he's a freak. Yeah. He's just call. a freak. He is a natural leader. He is a natural leader and just one of the most well-respected players to have ever played the game, not just at uni, but in Queensland Premier Rugby, in my opinion. So Gangers is huge. At number eight, my old mate, Jimmy T. Um, you touched on it, Dallin. He is talismanic in how he goes about things. And, you know, he is just one of the best, best stalwarts, one of the best stalwarts of South Rugby you're ever going to have. And, you know, it was a lot of the work that players like him and Matt Bennett and co did in that, I think it was 2016 team that got them over the line um, in the Premier... Oh, no, 2017, was it? 15. Where they won the Premiership? 2015. 2015, sorry. Um, all over the place here, mate. Four days in lockdown, I'm already losing it. But he's absolutely massive and, you know, he will always be loved down there at Chipsywood Oval. Um, in the halves... I went with Will Thompson from uni and James Dalgleish. I just thought Will Thompson was an absolute superstar. I I think, like, I know uni have just absolutely rolled out the halfbacks in the better part of the last 10, 15 years. But I've always just thought Will Thompson, he was the best passer of the football of any of them. Um, and then James Dalgleish, what is it, five premierships? Enough said. Um, on the wings, uh, Harry Parker, I'm with you on that one. He he was absolute. When he was at his best, he was freakish, absolutely yeah. freakish. Uh, it was just absolutely crazy when you saw him just absolutely lighting things up. Um, 
and then in the centres, yeah, I'm with you as well, Dallin. Gendy and Gordo. I mean, you're picking two twelves there, but um, yeah. Gordo, Gordo on the back end of this decade was hands down could turn a game on its head. And Gendy, you know, again, two hundred games. You don't do that if you're a bludger, you know. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, the the wingers and the fullback. The other winger and the other fullback, I just it was hard to go past, but it may seem weird, but Veressa Matitini, if you he's been a mainstay of North's for pretty much, you know, the back end of this half of the of the decade at the very least, but you don't rack up the amount of tries in a side that is regularly at the bottom end of the table like that if you aren't a genuine try scoring freak. And he is. Like, he is just a genuine winger. Um, and then at fullback, yeah, Jock Campbell. There was a period there before he made his Reds debut where he was the best player in the Premier Rugby competition for about two or three years. And, yeah, you don't beat that, mate. No, mate. All, and that's me. All very fair selections there, mate. Um, I think we've probably got a fair few similar ones between the three of us, but I reckon I've got a couple of slight different uh, selections up front. So for the front row... Um, I went with, uh, for my two props, I went with two Sunny Coast Stingrays blokes, um, shock horror, um, who <laughs> one, one went on to play for, for Sunny Bank for years, um, Hayden Hershmacky, and the other one's uh, Sean Simonic. So I'm sure Dow probably remembers playing Sean. Um, he was, yeah, uh, <laughs> mate, I, I don't think I've ever seen a bloke more ripped and that big. Um, but he was an absolute... Um, His calves were disgusting. <laughs> disgusting how big his calves were. Oh. Absolutely ridiculous. Mate, just in terms of his oh. fitness and things like that, he's an absolute freak of a prop and, you know, he's a bit of a celebrity up there on the sunny coast. Um, you know, all us young front rowers coming up wanted to be wanted to be like Sean. And then um, Smacky, <laughs> um, I mean, this is a guy that, you know, played against the British and Irish Lions for that combined um, Queensland, New South Wales countryside back in 2013. And then, you know, after absolutely killing it in the NRC in, in 2014 and 2015, you know, he got invited to train with the Reds and was, you know, sort of on a pathway to potentially be one of our next club guys to progress, um, albeit sort of as he was sort of edging towards his late 20s. But, you know, unfortunately, you know, an issue with his neck um, and his back sort of forced him out of the game because he's had to, uh, he's sort of getting tingling sensations down his arm and things like that, which is a real shame because I think he was probably sort of, you know, we say props ripen with age. He's probably sort of just reaching that peak um, where he was going to be, you know, sort of going on to bigger and better things, sort of a career cut short, but um, definitely worthy of selection. And then a hooker for someone different, um, you know, you mentioned Chibber Hampson, Jay, I reckon the guy who was sort of waiting in the wings behind him at the sort of the start of the decade who came in and, and had an impact there and he had one sort of season at Jeeps before going back to UQ as well was uh, Mitch Wade. Um, won a couple of titles there with UQ um, as well and just solid sort of standout hooker. Um, yeah. At locks, I think, you know, a solid one for all three of us, Dan Gorman. Um, hard to go past him in terms of the impact he's had down at uh, Ashgrove over an extended period of time. Um, and then at lock, I've sort of got a bit of a, 
a scenario here between another lock and a six after sort of doing some thinking. Originally, I'd, I'd put down Adam Wallace Harrison mainly as a guy, you know, after he'd won those Super Rugby titles, he'd went back and sort of gave back to Sunnybank um, before he then went down and sort of helped set up Casarino Rugby Club just down south of the border. But, um, you know, whether or not he's probably had the longevity within the decade to consider selection over a guy like Tim Buchanan, who I'd originally had at six, um, is probably a hard call to make because then the other guy that I really like to fit into the back row is Mitch King. Um, you know, Dallin yeah, Mitchell, King, uh, King's been massive. Yeah, yeah. Once again, another former Stingray. Um, <laughs> back when I first met Kingy, he was playing inside centre for Kabulcha Snakes in 2008. Um, and then we both went into Stingray's Colts together and he transitioned to the back row. And before the end of that season, he was playing playing Premier Grade. So absolutely killing it. Um, like Dow, for number seven, I went with Charlie Freeney. Um, you know, in terms of longevity throughout the decade, you know, there's been a lot of sort of good sevens sort of come and go. Your, your Jack Gang and Gunny, in terms of his first season when he was tw- when he was 18, um, hard to forget. But I just think, you know, longevity, continued impact, he's hard to go by, old Freeney. Um, and then at number eight, it's a little bit of a bit of a throwback to the start of the decade. But uh, Luke Bertini from, from East. Well, he was always very, really physical. Really physical. He was always up in the grill, especially as a 10. Um, Bertini, he's sort of one of the guys who was sort of club captain um, when I first came along to East in, in 2013. And I just think from like a leadership point of view, there's no one quite like him. And he's a real sort of physical beast around the field as well. So um, in the halves, obviously uh, a lot of blokes over the years that we could have looked at that were really good. You know, some of the newer crop at the moment, guys like Tate McDermott, Liam Dillon, but it was very hard to go past Scotty Gale there from UQ. Um, obviously had a massive impact there for a number of years and he's been ripping it up over in Major League Rugby uh, for New Orleans. Uh, and then a fly half. This is a, a really hard decision uh, in terms of uh, whether or not you're looking at someone like a James Dalgleish, like you mentioned, Dale, who's obviously won a lot of stuff with UQ. Or if we go back to sort of more the start of the decade where you had someone like yourself, mate, or a Matt Brandon and being a Tiger. Matt Brandon. Yeah, I had to go with Matty Matt Brandon. Matt Brandon all the way, mate. All the way. All the way. He's filth on the field and even filthier off it. He's so good. He's so good. I figured so, you'd like that yeah, one, Jable. Yeah, I frost Brando hard, mate. Does not look like he'd be any good at footy, but he is an absolute gun. And you've got to remember, he won a few premierships with the Tigers, so he's no bloody he slouch. Did. He did. One just before the, the new decade and then the one in 2013, which was uh, absolutely excellent. So I think, um, as I said uh, early, earlier today, I've never actually seen anyone like Dow or, or Matty Brandon sort of hold a game on a string um, and sort of have the level of control and impact that they can have. And um, while Jimmy Dalgleish is a, is a really good operator and can run the game there, sitting behind the forward pack, um, given that he's never really played against um, these guys and there probably hasn't been a massive amount of competition um, for him in the fly half ranks, probably up until sort of the last couple of years of the likes of Jack Frampton coming through. It's um, it's hard to probably make a call as to, um, you know, where those guys sit ahead of each other, but, you know, had to go with Brando. Um, yeah, yeah, I think with that as well, though, Sauce, like when you look at 
Jimmy Dalglish is perfect for the for the uni brand of footy, right? He's a level-headed footy player. And when they succeed, it's not necessarily Jimmy Dalglish that is the one that is standing out. It's your Jock Campbells, your Harry Parkers and co. You know, whereas like Dow and Brando, a lot of the time, they were the ones pulling the strings, as you said, and really actually breaking the game apart as a result of something they did. So if you're looking at individual talents, like Jimmy Dalglish, great leader, very well suited to the uni game, but Brando is just free. True. Maybe we can give Dale a bench spot. Uh, <laughs> no. no, I refuse. <laughs> no, all right. Yeah, we'll give it. We'll give yeah. him one. We'll get him in there. Um, <laughs> reserve flanker. Um, <laughs> looking uh, looking at the centres, um, much like you guys. I had to go with Matty Gordon, um, although yeah. I've, I've put him at his actual position of, uh, of 12. Um, you know, before he before he headed overseas, obviously the last couple of seasons with East, he's been a destructive force and, you know, he really did work on that ball-playing ability and created plenty of opportunities for, for guys outside of him um, but can also run over the top of someone at a pinch. So, Hell yeah. Uh, at his best, he's the best player in the competition, hands down. Yeah, yeah. I think he was probably one of those guys who's always been pretty unlucky. You know what I mean? Specifically in Australia, like he's gone across and played some you know, professional footy over there in the UK. But like, I think he was someone who should have been picked up in Australia for sure. Yeah, well, hell I think, yeah. I think when he left, I was, uh, I sort of, I think back to um, Sammy Johnson. Obviously, Sammy got sort of into the red squad here and got a couple of caps before he went over to Scotland. But you know, look at him now. He's, he's played at a World Cup. He's been playing in the Six Nations with Scotland. Um, I believe Maddie is eligible for, for England through his grandmother, if I believe correctly. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, if not, obviously, you know, there's residency and things like that. So who's hanging around in England long enough? It could be like one of those guys that, um, you know, comes back to, to bite us in the rear. But anyway, on a personal note, best of luck to him. Um, for 13, I've, I've gone for another Tiger. Um, don't hold it against me. But... Um, Toby White's surprise, surprise. Oh, come on, mate! It's yeah, very hard to source? argue against Toby White, mate. Yeah, Toby White is filth. He was he was probably the best player in that was a 2013 um, East side that um, came away with the premiership. He mm. was just an absolute force that year, and he is an absolute superstar. True, true. And I think like the other thing there is like him and Gordo as a centre pairing. They sort of just missed each other at East in terms of forming sort of an ongoing centre partnership. In 2015, they were there together um, in the centres, but uh, that's sort of all we got got to see of them. And Toby sort of came into the side sort of very late in the piece, having struggled with injury a bit that year. But I think had they sort of played a couple of seasons together, um, you know, the combination of those guys with some of the other attacking uh, players that we've got sort of floating around East or have floated around East in the last sort of five, six years, guys like Elliot Hagens, Jack Jack Frampton at the moment, you know, that could have been an extremely dangerous backline. 100%. Couldn't agree more. Mm. Well, on the wings, um, Jock Campbell, uh, very hard to go past. Um, shifting him to wing rather than fullback, um, like your lineup, Dale, and then on the open side wing or right wing, I've gone for out-and-out finisher, same as Jay, Vanessa Matitini. Oh, mate, yeah, he's an absolute, absolute freak, mate. So, 
yeah, I might have said he's a bit of a left field option just by way of it's hard to deny his stats, right? I mean, yeah. he's leading try scorer over the last decade, but <laughs> you know, there's probably more talented footy players, but there's no better finisher than than Vuki. Yeah, well, I mean, if you think about it, sort of in in terms of sort of the whole the whole gameplay the Norse have, you know, it's. You know, it's hard not to to state that you know Norse have sort of struggled a bit in in various years over the past decade. But Vukis is still up there, being an out and out finisher. You know, put the ball in his hands and counter attack. Uh, you know, he's going to find a way through the back line somehow. Yeah, well, he's stats yeah, hundred percent. Stats don't lie, do they? No. Years on years, he's just been one of the leading try scorers. Mm. No, he's uh, he's definitely one to watch. And then uh, to round things out, I've gone with Tommy Banks. So, you know, I've got Tommy Banks and Jock in the back three there. Like you, Dale, just sort of uh, switched him around to to have Banks hit the back there. But although I think those two are probably very interchangeable. Absolutely. Yeah, much for much, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think between the three of us, we named um, three pretty handy sides that I'd love to see in action, but um, it's not for us to decide as to what the Queensland Premier Rugby team of the decade is going to be. It's going to be for the fans, so we'll keep an eye out on social media. We're going to be taking in some nominations uh, from people, and then we'll put it out to a vote for each position, and uh, we'll have a fan-decided team of the decade. So it'll be very interesting to see um, you know who gets behind it and um, what we can what we can come up with in a couple of weeks' time, hopefully. I know you'll probably be in there voting for a few West blokes, won't you, mate? Big time. Chips Blanche. Get <laughs> Myself in there. included. you got to have played Prem grade first, haven't you, mate? <laughs> Something like that, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right, mate. I can't speak. All right. Well, folks, we'll, we'll leave it there. But um, thanks very much, Dal and Jay, for, for joining me on the first episode of Club Rugby Collective. It's been a pleasure, Charles. Anytime, mate. Always a pleasure. All right, folks. Well, hopefully this gives you a bit of a rugby fix while we're all sitting at home in isolation. Um, I think, as we've we've mentioned previously, lots of government regulations in place, guys. Try and follow those. Social distancing, staying at home, not going out unless it's purely essential that we can adhere to these regulations. Hopefully the quicker we can all be back on the rugby field. All right. Well, thanks again, Dal and Jay, and we'll catch you guys next time. Later, brother. See you later. Peace.